0: Greetings from Podcastville. The church is brought to you by FujiSports.com. If you're looking for a gi, if you're looking for shin guards, if you're looking for boxing gloves, a mouthpiece, whatever the fuck you're looking for, Fuji's been there since day one. They survived the bomb. You know what I'm saying? They ain't fucking (laughs) around. Me, I'm a big fat fuck. I go to jujitsu. They tug. They pull. The fucking Fuji gis are tremendous. Go to FujiSports.com right now and press in. Church, bam, get 10% off, sent right to the fucking casa. You don't even have to leave the house the Japanese guy shows up. Number two, you know me, dog. I always come up with something new and revolutionary for you. You ready for this one? Solojitsu.com. These are those playing cards that have like hip escapes on and rollovers and what you do is you play by yourself. You're in a hotel room and you flip a card and you do 22 hip escapes. Whatever the fucking cause, whatever the fuck it calls for, you do. A push up, whatever. And at least you get entertained by yourself. Go to solojitsu.com and tell them my sent you and take a look, alright? Kick this fucking mule, Lee. Oh, shit. August 1st, you bad motherfuckers. The rent is due. Don't go planning shit. The rent is due, cocksuckers. The church of what's happening now? Mr. Greg Garcia the Christ killer in the flesh and your Uncle Joey and the motherfucking Eagles. happening, Mr. Garcia? How you doing, man? You know, I just forgot I even had that. You know who that is? No, I don't. I was sitting there trying to figure out who His it is. His name is Hollywood Henderson. Oh, okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and this motherfucker was the guy that invented cocaine. Like, he... Oh, my God. He, he fucking <laughs> took it to the next level like in the NFL. Wasn't yeah. he on the, on the Dolphins team? He was on the Cowboys. He was a linebacker on the Cowboys. What was that running back? And they did an article on him in 1980 in Playboy. Mm-hmm. That was one of the best articles I've ever read in my life and, I, and then Sergio Ortega, a guy from the church found the Playboy at a uh, flea market and sent it to me and next time I'll have it here for you just the first paragraph yeah. he goes, I was a rookie it was 108 degrees and I was in Thousand Oaks because the Dallas yeah, Oxnard.
1: in Oxnard. they're still up there they just started again yeah, I think so he goes, I had $23 a half a gram of
0: coke and 8 hits of acid I mean, that's how the paragraph. Something just
1: crazy, you
0: know. <laughs> and then he goes on to go to Dallas and how he would come back to LA and hang out at the comedy store with Richard Pryor and the Pointer Sisters, and they would fucking freebase cocaine. And, and then he went nuts. But against the Dallas, against the Denver Broncos in the playoffs, right before he went to play the Broncos, he yeah. took a can of Orange Crush, and he fucking crushed it. And he goes, "I'm gonna fuck you motherfuckers up." <laughs> And in the Super Bowl, he intercepted the ball and fucking scored a touchdown. So he was badass. Yeah. But he snort and blow with three hands. This is the seventies. <laughs> Nobody knows what to do with this fucking. The NFL's got him. The NBA had this guy Marvin Bad News Bonds. They threw him out of the game <laughs> once. He came out with a forty-five, wanted to shoot the ref. You know, this is when it was still fucking crazy. Back so, when sports were fun. Fucking crazy. Yeah. And this fucking nut is a great linebacker. You know, he's a great linebacker. His drug use is kind of coming out little by little. And then one day when they had the old coach, Tom Landry, the real old guy. Yeah, with, with the, the hat, sure. They, they were losing on national TV. And this motherfucker got a towel from his Drew Pearson, had a towel company. And he put the towel company in front of his dick. Like it was it wasn't a sexual or anything. Yeah. That's where you put your towels in if you're a quarterback. Yeah. And he went like this with the towel number one. The next day, Tom Landry fired him. Like fired him knowing he was a coke fiend I mean, if you watch the footage today as they're going into the locker rooms after a game and people are going yeah yeah he's like yelling party where's the colombians at and all this shit (laughs) this is night they're not ready for this shit guess who picks him up who do you think what team picks him up i don't know miami dolphins okay (laughs) there you go perfect he goes to miami i don't even know i don't even know if he got to play i don't fucking remember but he's down there maybe a week and he pat like he got caught for smoking pot so now they can't find him he's mia and they send the big guy from the uh oakland raiders that cow, the, the guy that pow bam romanowski no every year he has like his top dozen football players madden oh okay yeah yeah madden they found they send Madden to interview him and Madden's like, we're here in a disco in Miami in the afternoon. And fucking Hollywood's like, so what? I smoked a joint with a stortus. And that was the end. That's it. Then he went off the deep end. But then he found Christ. And then he won the lottery in Texas for like $8 million, like the lotto.
1: And I don't know if he's back or not. What a life. Yeah. This well, now, when would you get that poster,
0: though? A friend of mine named Bob linkus knew I was a fan okay. of his, like his legendary Yeah. and sent me this poster. I think he sent me the poster. He sent me two great books on him. You know, it was just fucking crazy.
1: Seven Up didn't care that he was doing Coke. They put it right No, they put it right there. He's, he's a spokesman. <laughs> That's why I just figured that yeah. it was a Seven Up post. I I, I
0: never even saw that before. Yeah. America's turning up Seven Up. Yeah. What's up, dog? How you doing? <laughs> fresh, fresh. I like that new concept you have. So you have this show they don't bother you, so you'll never go back to network television. I don't
1: know, yet. man. It's gonna be tough. Yeah, this new one that they they, they they yeah they just let you do what you want, which is cool. Which is cool. So, but if it sucks, then it's all, all on you. But it's it's a uh, it's been a good ride with this one. I did a network show about two years ago. I was only there for
0: two days. It didn't bother me at all. I felt bad for the series regulars because it was CBS. Yeah, and they were getting fucking
1: tortured yeah they'll have a lot of thoughts
0: I was sitting there and I mean the writers and then some guy is making faces and then the director would tell him no when there was just all and I'm watching this going why does this even have to happen for us to make a dolly you know and the, the, the something the writers wanted something to work but the network didn't and I'm sitting there going what the fuck? and it was
1: a popular show got canceled now it really don't matter I mean, at the time, but it's so much it's hard, you fucking know, drama. It's hard enough to do one of those things every week without, you know, without having to be at war at the same time, you know, and protecting stuff and, and what have you. But uh, there's a lot of places now, I think, where uh, they are being a little more hands off well, letting like, you do your thing. With you, there's, they're very hands off. I mean, they, they, nobody bothered me on that fucking set at all. Marin
0: was I have?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I bet he, he can do whatever he wants. They don't even show yeah. up. No, they don't show know. up. Nobody shows
0: up. Yeah. You know, when you get into, and I'll say it, I'm 55 years old. I think the worst I ever worked for was Fox. Yeah. They, they just broke me. They really broke me early on. I shot five pilots for them. They just broke me. Yeah. They just, I couldn't. Uh, CBS has always been cool with me. NBC, cool like a motherfucker, you know. Yeah.
1: It and was, everybody changes so frequently, ABC too. And was cool so with me. Like,
0: Fox has always been the one that's always gotten on my nerve. Every time I do a show for Fox, there's a fucking by the way. Yeah. Like I'm in a trailer in a bathroom, or there's always fucking something. Even Some, when I did the Best damn Sports you. show, there was always something, you know, like there was always something with Fox that I didn't have with anybody else, you know? Huh. Uh, they're the only ones. That's it. CBS has been cool, but you, you know when you get to the set. It's like when you do, when I did Spider Man 2. You know, you get people
1: that open the door for you. Yeah.
0: They pay them scale to open the fucking door for you. And then you turn around and do a $100 a day movie where ain't nobody doing dick for you. You know what I'm saying?
1: They're like, Joey, we're also going to need you to open the door. Yeah,
0: you got to open the door. You got to put your own... Oh, did I tell you you have to bring your own clothes? You know, those... I've done a thousand dollars a day movies where you're like, wow, I couldn't handle this. Yeah, run the kookaroo for us. I mean... (laughs) You know, Spider-Man, people would tell you, watch that cord. Yeah. they You know, Friday, Lobster Tales... On the grill come on and all those people like eating salads i'm taking lobster tails to go yeah i was stealing lobster tails i had more lobster tails in the room than red lobster i was fucking. you think i'm kidding you they had a grill they had a 20-foot <laughs> grill with four guys cooking fucking lobsters on fridays on spider yeah it's a too. different world now you can they had the gallons of uh, palm uh-huh in, 19, in 2003 it was five dollars for a little bottle of palm. It was yeah. like thirty for a thing. I would go to Spider Man Two at first for breakfast. I would pour some, and I had a duffel bag, uh, Best Damn Sports Show duffel bag right there at Sony where we shot there. Yeah, I put the whole gallon of palm in the fucking bag and take it right to the thirty dollars. <laughs> yeah, you got to squirrel away. And then I'd smoke dope in the green room. Sony has a back section that nobody knows about. It's like a little hotel, Uh huh. and they it looks like little barracks. And they put us back there for the overflow. They were out of trailers. And I loved it. They had a TV in it. They had a phone. You make long-distance calls. This is 2003. <laughs> Cell phones still banged you out for the minute. I'm, I'm there like fucking carrying hey, you're gas. catching up. Oh, I'm calling Europe. You know what I'm saying? I'm making calls. But every morning I'd get there, and I would be lazy. I got so lazy on Spider-Man 2 that I would just smoke dope in the barracks. And then I would pop my head up, and I'd see the costume lady pushing the cut, the wardrobe in, and right behind there, I'd see Sam Raimi. And right before Sam Raimi would hit the building, I'd run out of the building and grab Sam and go, "Excuse me, Mr. Raimi, I don't mean to bother you. Somebody keep smoking marijuana. (laughs) I'm a Christian. This shit has to stop." (laughs) And he would walk and go, "Let me get to the bottom (laughs) of (laughs)
1: this." That's a good move. And then go back and drink your palm. (laughs) Oh, did you see what the budget was for that? For Spider-Man,
2: yeah, two hundred million.
0: Yeah, they were throwing away money for no reason. Like they were those movies like that are fucking crazy. <laughs> Once they
1: get that big hit, I guess then. Oh my god! It made them seven eighty three. So. Oh yeah, no, no, they
0: they dropped two,
1: to to, to make a ton of dough. The guy won
0: uh, an Academy Award for the set designer. For he he won an Academy Award for Star Wars. I mean that movie was no shortage of dough. Yeah. The fan they had, to keep you warm mm-hmm. because it was August when we shot that dog, they had a fucking fan that I'm not kidding you had to be. Okay, you know when he was on the train? Uh-huh. He was stuck to the train? Yeah. That was a fan blowing at him. This fan was like a fucking airplane engine. Okay. Oh, they yeah. would tell you, get out of the way. <laughs> People were fucking, <laughs> things would go flying and shit. You know, it, it was just crazy. When you work on a movie like that, it spoils you. You know, I had a couple of them. Like, I had like Taxi and, you know, these are okay. Yeah. And then when everything hit the fan and the $100 movie started coming out and you're getting there and they got like Apple. A jar of peanut butter with like a fucking fork in it, and you're like, "Ooh, I miss Spidey."
1: Yeah, there's, you like know. three half a donuts. Yeah, Spider
0: Man had walls of food. Yeah, like wall- I'm not kidding you, walls of fruit and fucking cold cuts, and and never mind the longest show we were in Santa Fe. Adam Sandler hired these women to just carry trays like this, like cigarette girls. Yeah, and they would have smoothies and protein shakes, like a cocktail party. It just was fucking walking great. Around. We had umbrella girls. They went to a strip club in Albuquerque and got umbrella girls. I want them a yard and a half
1: a day, so you wouldn't get a suntan. So you would look the way we were. We were shooting uh, Earl once on Woodley, and it was hot as hell. And uh, we had a PA with an umbrella over Jamie Presley, and somebody she's you know the PA's following her around a little bit, making sure she doesn't get all burned up. And somebody drives by and yells at us. Yells something like, get the fuck out of the road or something. And Presley starts chasing down this car. <laughs> and she runs about 200 yards chasing the car. And the PA is running right next to her with the, <laughs> with the umbrella on. With the funniest looking thing. <laughs> you know, the PA is like, I'm going to get fired if she gets it. Exactly. The sun hits her. I'm, I'm next. So he just kept right there with her. Kept her in the shade the whole time.
0: How fucking crazy is our business? How
2: fucking <laughs> so crazy? stupid. Well, like I, I, like I was, I worked in post, so I didn't really get a ton of it. But I had uh, the guy who was the doctor, and like Doctor Cox and Scrubs come in, and he probably didn't say anything. But the the my boss went around to everyone that day and said, "Don't look him in the eyes when he comes here." I'm serious. Like, don't don't look him in the eyes. You ever have that, Greg?
0: No, no. I I, I had it. I had it. Who who'd you have? Two it with? sets with. Okay. The first set was in 2001 during when The Sopranos was first very very hot, and I'll tell the story because he's a great guy. I think he he was always cool to me. uh Politically incorrect. When you get on the set, they tell you, "Come here for a second. Don't touch him, and don't make eye contact with him." Yeah. <laughs> But I got him laughing the one day. And then we, you know, and now when I see him, he's a gentleman. Yeah. He'll try to fuck. Wait, your who wife. was it? Uh, whatever his name is, Bill Maher. Oh,
1: okay. oh, He'll oh, try oh, to gotcha, fuck gotcha. your wife right gotcha. in front oh, of you. Yeah, Bill yeah, Maher's yeah, a sad, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. don't give
0: a fuck. Funniest thing I ever heard with Bill Maher was when I first <laughs> moved here, Doug Stanhope went to his birthday party. Yeah. Because he would hang at the improv and stuff. And, you know, he was like, so Doug Stanhope picked up some chick and fucked her on, a, on his bed at the party, and he found out about it. So Bill Maher called his management and the improv and the improv making Doug Stanhope write an apology
2: letter. <laughs> he had to apologize? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Dear Mr. Maher, I'm Dear sorry for fucking that girl. The first, yeah.
1: the first time I saw Doug Stanhope was so, it was it was a long time ago and it was for a showcase, for a network showcase. And it was, I was like a staff writer on a show and somebody said, hey, do you want to go to this thing? And I said, yeah, I'll go to it. And everybody was getting up there. So this must have been like 90... Eight. Six, seven, something around there. Yeah, eight, brilliant. maybe. It and was. so, and he gets up, and everybody's just trying to be on their P's and Q's. It's all the networks are there, whatever. He got up there and just didn't give a shit and just went nuts and was hysterical. Nobody, everybody was looking at each other, going, this is the funniest guy. Nobody knew what what they would do with him. So that was that. But good Lord, was he funny.
0: They, they Speaking of funny, you see, our boy made the fucking cover of Rolling Stone. Who? Wheeler Walker?
1: No, he didn't.
2: Really? Seriously? Let's pull it up. Oh
1: <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. Oh, good for him. Yeah, he hasn't answered the phone in days. That's hilarious. Once you hit
0: the once you hit the cover of fucking uh oh, I gotta With see I gotta all the see drama, that unless somebody made it up. <laughs> unless somebody just made up a fake cover and how is that high?
1: <laughs> well, what's the chance of that? About ninety five percent? Let's see. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, I hope he did. I hope he did. He's a
0: guy that they wouldn't sell his albums came KMart, and he put it on the album like
1: that was a, when I went and saw him live, uh, and you and you opened yeah, was, for him. That was a crazy night. That was crazy. He's I was great. standing next to uh, uh, Ron Jeremy the whole time. I think Wheeler
2: deserves it, but I think you might have had one too many edibles, Joey. You. you think so? I think you might
1: have.
0: Yeah, I think somebody put out like a fake card or something. I, yeah, I get high at night. It's, hey, it's, I understand.
1: It's understandable. Sometimes I
0: go home at night. I just I'm lonely dog, at night. <laughs> Those fucking two broads go to bed at nine thirty. Do you know what happens after nine thirty in my house, though? It's, it's circus time. It's either smoke dope or eat myself to. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I found a bag oh. of expired edibles. They uh-huh. had me two years old. They were so fucking strong. And so good that I went to Weight Watchers. I gained four pounds. Like the lady said, what happened to you? You were doing so great. Said, Do they
1: give you points for the edibles? Do they tell you? The star well, of death, 60 points. Or... 60
0: calories is one point. Okay. So I always, you know what I'm saying? It's not like I got to put down on the chart edible. There's no chew on my fucking. Yeah, it's <laughs> you know? not on there. No, I can't go to Weight Watchers and put Chew.
2: <laughs> Let's try it. Let's see. Let's yeah. just see for fun, Maybe, for fun you know. Giggles. One Maybe. of these days, I'm sure it will be. I'm surprised okay. they Yeah, fine. they might have got with the Food. program. Food. Oh
0: my god. Let's see. Chiba chew. Chiba Chu. Nah. Yeah. So no. seven points, craft pizza, cheese, and macaroni. <laughs> Fuck that. That's because it knows what that's
1: what you're gonna eat after you eat the Chiba Chew. Yeah, no, uh. no,
0: no, 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 no. There's sixty the point the the stars of death were also they're done. they they're done. You'll never see a star again. No? Anarchy, rest in peace
1: okay what they just stopped making them
0: uh the government cut them down to 100. oh okay the lady wanted to give me something the other day the one i Jew wanted to give me something the other day that i think i've put lee through a lot the last six years <laughs> and i love him very much and he's my little brother and i torment him i gave him heroin and i give him no shit you didn't that, give me heroin yes i do i, I always tell him <laughs> don't go for a piss test because you never know what's in you <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> they gave me a bottle of THC liquid that was a thousand milligrams and it comes to the only we, we, we could take it to the syringe. <laughs> When I saw the syringe. <laughs> for two minutes, I go. I'm gonna bring it just to petrify Lee.
1: And just yeah, but I just think chase him around I, the room. I with think
0: it? he won't come back from it. Like he'll never come back from me coming in here with a bottle. Yeah, you're not gonna syringe, syringe me.
2: What are you gonna bring a nurse <laughs> in to put in my name? He definitely
0: go into the therapist and tell her on Friday. Joey can give you a shot. He doesn't need no a no, nurse. no no no. This wasn't even a needle in it. This is just the thing that you oh put just to out. take the water. Oh yeah, then was you spray like it in very, your mouth. It was okay. very white. It was for white people. Gotcha, gotcha. To be you know like oh my god, look at this. To take it. And you put it under your tongue. <laughs> you know, like now we had a spray. There's a spray that you could 1,000 milligrams, 20 fucking milligrams of spray. That's insane. But they cut it down because as of July 1st, the, the law changed. Again? So there's no edibles over 100 no more. So those Chews were the last. Now I got to eat 10 of those to get high. I don't want to do it. I don't want to do
1: it. That's too many points.
2: That, yes. Did you try the, the dropper? Because if you tried the dropper...
0: Lee, and I'm not said, bringing the dropper because I don't think you'll come back. When I saw the dropper, it gave me goosebumps. He's looking out for you. And if it gave me well, goosebumps. Be, I was going to
2: say, if it scared Joey. I yeah. don't think you would you make don't want it. I don't think
0: you come. I think you'd sit here that night, do the dropper, and the next day, it'd be like Marlon Brando in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> it's the letter he wrote. His wife saw the house, saw the dog. I'm never coming back. <laughs> he went for a pack of cigarettes and never uh, came back
2: oh my god uh, you That's might be right. you might be right if, if it scares you i'm not going to argue with you oh yeah my god. no
0: i was like you know what lee's had enough in this life he? <laughs> yeah yes fucking the
2: kids, i'm, I'm gonna make, make a clip of this that part, yeah, oh it's god.
0: funny because nobody anymore like he he knew about it and i was very surprised mm-hmm. we were talking about notters i grew up in a generation of notters uh-huh i spoke about it this weekend on stage that <laughs> I grew up at a time that at the light in new york you know when you press the light and it tells you like 14. 13? uh-huh there was a time the light didn't tell you that <laughs> really? you just yeah it just went to yellow and then fucking red yeah but junkies would be at the light waiting across the street and they would not at the light and then they would like go miss the whole one, thing oh my god they would go down to on one knee and then get up <laughs> i mean i grew up in a generation of nodders and I was telling him that one time a guy nodded on a, we got because Jersey City was where you got methadone. Uh-huh. So when we get on the bus to go to high school, we get on the bus with nodders that took the bus. Like if you took methadone, they give you like a free bus pass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like the last week you gave blood. And they gave you a $5 gift certificate to, yeah, but uh, cookie. to, to a cookie and the soda. And they gave you a $5. It's the same thing. When you go get the methadone, if you went down there, they give you like a bus pass and something else. And this guy was on methadone sitting on the bus already gone and he had a newspaper open it was open and he was drooling and the drool was connected from his lip to the paper Greg Garcia and there was just a big circle and this motherfucker was hitting you know how bus are, yeah buses, his head's and, bopping all around he wouldn't wake up and, we're throwing, and those days, we can shoot spitballs at you. Like, if we got on that bus and you were on heroin, we were tormented Me and my boys were tormented
2: These are the last five minutes of happiness in the like, whole life?
0: We'd start throwing spitballs at you and shit. I go, I got this. And I blew a fart. Like one of those you hoo Because in those days, I used to always have a butter roll and a you hoo for <laughs> breakfast. And that goes right to your fucking, there's no cereal. There's no oatmeal in Jersey. <laughs> it's a butter roll and a yoo Just bread and you I'll never forget, I blew a fart and this guy was out out like he was like this and this is exactly what his eyes did Greg Garcia. he was like this he went <laughs> like he just woke up and he
1: he looked around he's like man what the fuck is wrong with you guys they got that shot like pulp fiction that they give to people when they're uh when they're uh, too too high on heroin anything, when they're going right. if they run out of that shot you could probably bottle your farts what do you mean? Bottle your farts. Get it to the yeah. the, uh, the, oh, the 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 paramedics. Because the whole smelling salt industry is exactly.
0: It's so fucking funny. I have a friend who was a junkie. My
2: <laughs> dear friend.
0: We still talk every day. He's my brother. Mm-hmm. He's my brother. I've known him since I was. And he went through a rough period. And whenever they would, so when he was my roommate, he was on heroin. I was just starting comedy in New York. And every his so job was every Thursday he went to the park to move a few rocks. And they'd give him $140 in food stamps, and then he'd go to the city and cra- trade it in for heroin, you know?
2: <laughs> he wouldn't even trade it for cash? He would just direct it for heroin?
0: Directly for heroin, for the food stamps. <laughs> and they'd give him a bus pass. But I'd wait till he get on the heroin, i clip the bus pass every Thursday. Because I used to work in the city. So for me to go into the city, my friend's father drove the bus. But even if I had to be at work at 10, I was so poor that I would have to get the 6 o'clock bus because he would let me on for free. Uh-huh. Now I could sleep late. So I would clip his bus pass. And I remember he'd get high on hair he'd look at me and goes, I know you stole my bus pass <laughs> and shit. <laughs> I used to call him the pincushion at the time. He was my roommate. And he would get he would go clean from Sunday to Thursday. And then he'd pick up that $140 and he'd get like a gram of Coke and whatever you could. And was been. he sick from Sunday to Thursday? or? He would sleep and he would yeah. yell atrocities at me and <laughs> right. call me a loser and tell me I'd never be a comic and I loved him. I knew he what he was going through. So from time to time, I'd give him ten bucks and tell him to go fix and shit. Uh-huh. But once Thursday came, he would go into his grandmother's room and start fucking blasting. And I mean, when you went into that room Sunday, Greg Garcia, there was blood on the walls. You thought Sharon Tate had gotten killed from him missing a vein. Lord. Like, and he would have to spend his whole Monday wiping down the walls. I mean, he would lose like a gallon of blood every fucking weekend. Oh, the Lord. So me and my buddies used to call him the pincushion. We'd see him walking back over the bridge, and we'd beep at him, get in the car, you fuck. It was, now he's clean and sober like nothing happened. But he knows when people are lying. Like, as soon as Prince's plane pulled over, he called me, and he goes, Prince got about a week left. I swear to my mother's grave. Really? Yeah, he sees it. Like, one time we went to do the Artie Lang show, and when we left, he goes, I don't know who the fuck he's kidding. He's high already. Yeah. And I'm like, no, he's not. He's, he's been sober for years. But this dude's a been there later, so, so long. Yeah. He tells. So it was funny. Yesterday, he calls me out of the blue, and I'm with Mercy. I'm with my daughter watching the news, and I pick up the phone. I'm like, what's up, George? And he goes, look at these fucking idiots. Demi Lovato is going through a rough time at the hospital. She OD'd on the 24th. She's not going through a rough time. She's dope sick, you dumb motherfuckers. Like he was arguing with the fucking newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. Like he just picks up shit. He'll tell me little things that I don't see. You know, you think you're like a man of the world. But man, he always picks shit off. Like he'll tell me this guy's eating pills. Yeah. This guy smells like heroin. Like how do you know? I can smell it. I still smell that shit. (laughs) He's like an airport dog. Oh my God, he's amazing. But he'll tell me when people, I can't tell. I can't tell when people. I know when people doing coke. Yeah, I did it for thirty fucking years, but I can't tell when somebody's doing like a pill or something like that. I
2: can't tell.
1: Yeah, huh?
0: Who gives a fuck? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it, we're in a weird town. Like coke, <clears throat> I was blown away when I moved here how much coke was in LA. Like I, I'm sure there was somewhere in Boston, but I just I didn't hang around with those people. And everyone does coke. Why did you here. see cocaine? Uh, the first party I went to here was someone I worked with. That's
0: crazy,
2: and it was—it wasn't on a table. It wasn't anything like the Hollywood parties that you hear about. It was just that they were taking key bumps, is what they called. They had like right their, in front of you. They went into another room, but they said that what they were going to do, and I, and and it's, I, I hear everyone talking about it. I've I've, I've never—that's one of the few things I apparently haven't done. But uh, hey, they, it's talked very openly about here, and that—that's one that I don't hear about is heroin. I hear pills now. I know that's a huge thing across America. Because they're communities.
0: Drugs are a community. Okay? Like, I'd sit here for years and tell you I was a junkie for 27 years. I think in 27 years, three people approached me for heroin and maybe two people approached me for meth. Yeah. Because it's a community. You know, when I first moved here, Josh Wolf will tell you, next time you talk to Josh, tell him to tell you about the heroin lesbians in the building. Okay. (laughs) They were fucking hot. I mean, torture. The one's father invented uh, something, Yeah. so they got checks. At that time, we lived in a building. I slept on Josh's couch. He had the nine kids, and yeah. the fucking wife, and the you dog, were and the brother. And then the building was crazy. We had a Jew upstairs that thought he was black, and he called himself White Lightning, and he sold weed. Then there was a Mexican guy on the third floor that sold coke. Then there was a publicist. Then there was a chick that had the best tits you ever seen in your life, but she had no chin. But she still sucked a tremendous dick. If you were <laughs> coke out, you went over there and knocked on the door. But there was these. Then there was a chick that was an, a light porn actress that was phenomenal. She's from Canada. I just saw her in a movie with Eric Roberts recently. Fucking phenomenal. Living in that building. Yeah. But there were these two chicks that lived in that building that were um, beautiful, twenty-five. You know i never hit you know hi how you doing i didn't know the whole story josh knew the whole story josh would talk to them josh is good looking they would talk to josh Mm -hmm. josh would fill me in they wouldn't even take showers josh says they have body odor because they were heroin people that once your clogs fill up you don't want to sweat because you don't want to sweat the heroin out so when you eat chocolate it activates the heroin again i mean good lord when then i got to meet them and when they were telling me they always wore sunglasses they didn't work and they would just shoot heroin all day, but they were nodding, they would nod a little bit, they were both skinny, they were puking. Yeah, what a f- and that's when I learned that this community like, like any they had 30 friends that would come over, they were all on heroin, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, they anybody stuck who, to their own. So you know no. anybody who does meth, no, okay, they sell 29,000 kilos of meth a year, yeah. somebody's got to be fucking doing it, yeah. I don't do it. Now, I'm not
1: running in a meth crowd, I don't think.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so weird. Like, who runs in these crowds? So that's why. They're little, like, pills community. Yeah. I know a couple people. I know I have two friends that do massive amounts of blow, and they eat massive amounts of pills. And every once in a while, the guy calls me and he goes, Joey, you're a comedy. Do you know anybody? And I know a few people, and I'll get them 100 of this or 100 of that. But the community and the price... Is like absurd. Yeah. Like absurd. Like I get sixty fucking Xanaxes. What do you call those anxiety one point two pills? They last me a year. I think I get them fucking fourteen dollars. Yeah. You know what my buddies pay for pills, like thirteen dollars a fucking pill. That's crazy. it's a like, big business. What are those oxy? That thing that that fucking dude was eating, that we were talking about them. Rush Limbo. Oh, oxycodone. Those or? things are fifty dollars a piece. I heard. Yeah. I don't know. I never knew. I knew one person who did oxycontin in my people life. Can't
2: get off that shit either. Fuck. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. It's uh, it's scary. But but do do you, do you agree? Do you think that coke is maybe a bigger circle out here? Like I think I think I think there's. You walked outside. If you talk to people about coke when I was growing up, it was oh, you do coke, and now it's like oh yeah. It's oh, fun. you watch you watch Narcos at all?
0: Yeah, did you it. watch it at all? Yeah, did you did you see the part when they he thought. He was going to get fired, and then he quit. But when the guy called him back, he goes, we'll make this bullshit, then go away. And they talked to him, and they said something that they moved 370 metric tons of cocaine. A ton is 2,000 fucking pounds. The United States alone in the early 80s was doing 400 tons a year of cocaine. Good Lord. Somebody was doing it.
2: Yeah, yeah. Somebody That's was crazy. fucking doing it. Where'd you grow up, Lee? Right outside of Boston. Okay. And I'm sure they had it, but I was I was a dork, and I, I mean I saw weed and stuff, but I even talking to people like I I would hear people about doing ecstasy. I heard about that more than I, but I didn't hear anyone doing heroin or
0: meth or. When you grew up, where you grew up in Virginia, was it a drug neighborhood? I mean, were you exposed to it?
1: No, you'd see some stuff. There was weed. People smoking weed. I think I saw coke like. Two or three times randomly, uh ecstasy wasn't around, so I never even heard of that. Um, there were guys that did acid, a bunch of guys that ended up following the Grateful Dead. they did a lot of acid my first uh my first day of college, somebody put acid in my beer, slipped it right in the beer,
0: yeah, what'd you think?
1: No, it was the second day, first day we were all drinking in the dorms, and we were drinking vodka. And the second night, we were drinking, and these guys came down. And they the night before, I uh, saw a Grateful Dead poster on my dorm room. And they're like, uh, hey, man, hey, you want to take some acid with us tomorrow? I was like, nah, nah, nah I'm good, man. I'm just going to drink. I said, "Oh, you sure? I'm like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. So then they called me down to the room, me and this other guy. And they're like, come on down. We're going to drink some beers. And they gave me a beer. Miller, Miller Genuine Draft, I think it was. And the top wasn't on it, but I wasn't thinking anything. They're like, here you go. Let's, let's have some beer. So we drank and drank. And then I started feeling like, ah, uh, something's a little, something's a little wrong here, you know, something's, something's going on. And then I chugged the beer, uh, cause we were playing some drinking game and I threw up and there was a little bit of blood and I was like, what the, what is this? You know, I got a little nervous and I, uh, I decided I'm going to go to the doctor. I'm going to go to the doctor. And these guys drove me there. And then it wasn't until I got back. Because the doctor was like, what did you do? And I go, I don't know, I drank a lot of vodka yesterday. He goes, I will take these pills, you'll be fine. And uh, I came back to the dorm and that's when somebody told me, hey, those dudes put acid in your beer. And then I just was up all night and, you know, just finally fell asleep at about six in the morning, woke up around 10 a.m., went down to grab the empty bottle of vodka from two nights before, knocked on their door. One guy's laying in bed. The other one is standing at the door. I said, did you fucking put acid in my beer? He goes, yeah, man. He goes, we thought you thought it was cool. You thought it would be me. And I hit him with the bottle (laughs) and gave him about eight stitches in his chin. Blood started jumping out of his, you know, and they were all bigger than me. And then the guy in bed started to get up and I I told him to stay in the bed. So he did. And then then they came back to school and I was pissed off at him, obviously, because, you know, what the hell? And uh, and they didn't get in any trouble in the school. They ended up turning themselves in because they thought I was going to turn them in. That turned crazy. And then the funny part, the 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 ending to this was, I decided, you know what, I'm going to sue these dudes because they're, they're 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 being assholes and they're 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 flaunting it a little bit. I'm still pissed off that they did it. And I'm look, I'm 18 years old, and I'm thinking, you know, I, I wouldn't do that today, but I'm like, hey, I'm 18, I'm going to do this. I sue them. I end up suing them for six million dollars, right? <laughs> Now these guys don't have. I hit them with a lawsuit for six million dollars. They don't have any money, and my lawyer is my soccer coach when I was a little kid, right? So we're talking about we're going to go to court with them and everything. And this was all happening over the summer, and uh, and a day before court, um, my soccer coach pulled me and he goes, "Listen, man, they've, they've they've made an offer." You know, and I'm thinking, "All right, cool. What's this?" You know, what he? They said they've offered uh, seven thousand dollars. <laughs> And I said, seven thousand. He goes, Yeah, 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 but I'll take my cut. You'll get about five grand. And uh I go, but you were suing for six million. He goes, Yeah, but they don't have it. And if you get up on that stand, you gotta sit there in front of everybody and you gotta talk about every single thing you've ever done. They're gonna grill you. Your parents are gonna hear anything you've done or your perjury. I said, take the seven thousand dollars.
0: Take the seven Jeez. <laughs> it's fucking crazy how you An attorney could make you become like a fucking victim. Yeah. It's sad. We live in this. That's the sad part of.
1: But he was right, too. It would have been blood from a stone. These, these yeah. they, they didn't have anything. Yeah. You know, when I robbed that jewelry store when I was
0: 18, it was the same thing. The guy made a smart move. When I disappeared, the cops were looking for me. The guy was a little connected. They told him. They said, listen, if you arrest him, what's he going to do? Pay your restitution? I go in front of a judge and go, I only make $10 a month. Yeah, I mean, you got a dollar a month for life. By the time you get your money back, so he paid the cops to look the other way, and he got the insurance in thirty days. There you go. Because if you get arrested, then you got to get restitution.
1: The guy was like, "I'm not going to." Yeah, him, I didn't me. want to chase these guys down. The rest funny one, other thing was, they said uh, when we hit them with the lawsuit, they said to my uh, my lawyer, they said, uh, "Hey, we're going to countersue you because your client, you know, hit our client in the chin with a bottle, and he got eight stitches in his chin. So we're going to sue you right back." And my lawyer quickly said. Well, yeah, my client was on acid. I mean, he's not
2: hes not responsible for whatever the fuck he did. He's a quick-thinking soccer teacher. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. He was a good soccer coach and a good lawyer. So, yeah, that, all, uh, that was a crazy little intro to college for sure. You know, it's so crazy. I was telling Lee that
0: it's like my situation with my ex-wife. You know, we have a really bad ex- situation. I have a 27-year-old I'm talking to and, a couple weeks ago, I wrote a letter. I was like, you know, I wrote all the things how I fucked up, you know? And there's times that I go, you know, someday she's gonna raise her hand, you know? But she can't, she can't. Yeah. Because she's gonna expose herself to even worse, you know, it's even worse for her. She's a pillar in our community, you know, she's, all I gotta do is open one thing. She could probably sink me, but I could sink her because those type of people are very concerned about what people think do you feel like she, yeah. didn't, she came to me one time and she goes i'm changing the baby's name because the friends i hang out with aren't really crazy about spanish last names huh. do you know what i'm saying yeah like she's part of that community in boulder that they're very uh, avant-garde and she yeah. didn't want the kid to have a
1: spanish last name now so. you wrote the letter did you send it no i lit it on fire now now why not send it <sighs> I wanted to come
0: clean with myself. Yeah. Of the, whatever you wrote I had it for done. yourself. Yeah. You know, I, for a long time I had anger. I had this anger at him. And I'm like, listen, let's say it was 1995. Was I really ready to be a parent in 95? Yeah. Would you leave your kid with me in 95? <laughs> I don't think so. Not that I was a bad person. Yeah. I just wasn't ready. How old were you? 32. Yeah. I was 32 going on 16. I was mentally fucking, you know, between the drugs and the deaths and the fucking damage I had been through, I was done, you know? And I said a lot of things, and I made a lot of actions, but I'm not stupid either. You know, this is one of those situations where you did this and I did this. She could never, like, she could write a book about 85, to what she saw in those six years Mm -hmm. would fucking destroy people. It would destroy people. She was right there with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like she would make me take piss tests for marijuana, but she would break into my house and steal weed. I, 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 she's one of those type of people. Yeah. You know what That's I'm saying? Crazy. So you never win with those type of people. Mm-mm. Like I would say to her, I, I would get to my house and I could see the trail of weed because I always had weed in the bottom freezer and the, the lettuce thing. That's why we keep it moist in Colorado. The crisper. The crisper. Yeah, you keep it your weed in there. there. And this is when I was dealing pounds. She would go in there and take weed and then go to the probation department they would test me for marijuana. So that's the playing field she was at. Yeah. So when she went to that playing field, I took it to the playing field that I grew up with to fucking seek and destroy, you know. And I was telling Lee that when I did speak to her a couple of years ago, I apologized to her because we went to court one last time for contempt and we went up in front of the judge that sentenced me. And by this time, I had this judge in my pocket. I was writing him letters every month. Tom, I'm trying. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to school. I got my GED. I'm I'm turning into a comedian. I'm trying. Thank you for giving me a chance. Thank you for sending me to prison. I mean, I had this guy. Yeah. I had him. Just in case something ever happened again, he, he had documentation. Yeah. We walk into civil court, and there he is. And I won. I'll never forget on the way out. Like, I had... They, they told her if you don't show up with the kid again it's contempt of court we're gonna lock you up and have a sheriff and i remember walking out of there and that 200 yard walk was the worst walk of her life yeah like greg garcia i said things that a human being doesn't say you know i went way below the belt in front of her husband like did you ever tell him i put the carrots in your pussy? And you say, <laughs> i mean oh yeah Oh, no. And she even brought the detective that arrested me to be a character witness against me. Like, he was, oh, he's still involved in drugs, and he's telling me to shut up. And I'm like, you shut the fuck up, bitch. You can't arrest me. I'm just talking out here. This this has nothing to do with you. And her face is red. And then when they walked out, they were a husband and couple team. I said so many things to her. Like, I stuck it up her ass with the (laughs) carrot. I call her Kathy Carrots.
1: How long did this court stuff go on for? I mean, it's so toxic. It went on from 91
0: to 95. It wow. ruined me, Greg Garcia. Wow. It ruined me financially. It ruined me because we were friends. We were friends. This yeah. didn't have to happen this way. But I knew after the third month of our separation that I was going to have a hard time with that kid. Something was going to go down with this kid. That was her weapon Yeah. to show me you know that was her weapon to show me that she was the boss so it was weird when i got in that car june or july 1st of 1995 and i left bold i knew i knew that my life was going to change and i was never going to be if i was never going to get invited to a first communion or uh, i knew yeah you know you knew it was done and then i would come home i booked the taco bell commercial i was making a lot of money here and i would go home to meet her and at that time since I had left the state, I really had lost my rights to see her. So I would call her and say, let me meet with her on Wednesday. And she would go, okay. And then she'd call me back. Oh, she's too busy with Girl Scouts. She can't come see you. So that's how. And then she took her out of the country. Playing games. She moved to London for a few years. It was uh, it was rough. for But now you
1: get down. to do it all. What do you mean? Well, with you new Well, kid. now I got
0: a second chance. Yeah. And this is why I'm to the book with this then. I'm to the book with this, Greg. Like I told you, I had five lives. A like cat's got nine lives. You know, before I was telling you I was a volunteer fireman for a while. And then, you know, <laughs> the start that the, I was telling Lydia other night about the 90s, you know, like, that the success I have today in comedy is because of the work I put in the
1: 90s. Yeah, yeah. I heard you talking about yeah, that.
0: Sleeping on buses, and trains, and, you know, it's it's. Uh, so
1: I, I don't you know. You get to do it all again. And I, there's nobody that that isn't going to be a better parent in their late 40s and 50s than they would have been in their 20s and 30s. I had kids in my 20s and 30s and I know I was I'm a better parent now for the youngest one than I was for the uh, you know, for the other ones cuz I you know, you're young. You're young too. How old is your oldest? 20. And what's your relationship? It's great. It's great. I I would say that's the roughest relationship as he was growing up because he knew what he wanted to do. He was, you know, he was more you know bullheaded than the other ones i guess and then i was also working a ton you know i i would work on my name is earl i'd work 14 hours a day you know every day and so i would see people i'd see the family on the weekends because when i left in the morning they were asleep and when i got home at night they were asleep how was that Greg? how does that feel it's that? rough it's rough you know uh, now you know, they all turned out great. My kids all turned out great. So I'm not going to say like, oh, I wish I would have done that because also that afforded us opportunities for other things. You know, it's a balance. And I think, you know, a lot of people, you know, in your 20s and 30s, you know, it's a balance and of just like, you know, you got to provide for these people. And at the same time, you want to be there, you know, so I I tried very hard on weekends to be there, you know, and, and not work on the weekends. And then when I did have time off, you know, you get stretches at of times off, you know, in, in TV during the hiatuses, and uh, I'd make sure I was around for that. But I know for a fact, you know, I'm, I'm definitely better dad now. I got more time now, too. But but you just you mature, you know, you're less selfish, you're, you you know, everything. Everything as not, you get older.
0: I was not ready for anything like I was not ready for my marriage. You know, I told Lee that I failed at marriage who fails at marriage. It's the simplest thing in the world. You fuck and you talk.
1: <laughs> right or wrong. That's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean, you fuck and you talk
0: and you communicate. When I failed at divorce, I don't know if it was my Catholicism or me being me. It really got to me that I had failed at something so simple with a human being. That's it. I, I, hey, listen, you fail at fucking rock climbing. That's one thing. Yeah. You, you come and you take a bronze in skiing in the Olympics. That's another thing us failing as human beings
1: that's absurd to me yeah but you also have the added uh you know uh stuff of you're talking about having to deal with another person you know i mean you're rock climbing there's just a rock you know you gotta to to fail at a marriage you know it is a two-way street i mean there's a lot going on there i wouldn't beat yourself up too much about that no there is greg because no matter what happens throughout the arguing or whatever there's got to be a
0: point before before you uh go to the court that I could turn at you and go Greg can I talk to you for a second yeah seven years here three we dated before that that's 10. we need this
1: yeah you think you'd be able to figure it out
0: then really Greg we need all this what the fuck? you you dropped a half a mil that you didn't have I dropped two hundred grand that I didn't have, plus another hundred in credit cards that I didn't have, for what? What did we both fucking? We lost eight hundred thousand dollars. We're not friends no more. She doesn't have a dad. She has a stepdad who did a great job. I can't take nothing away from him, but that always comes back to bite you in the ass. Yeah,
1: but everybody wants to win. It's about ego.
0: It's about ego. So I put it in simplest terms as I can. You ready? She got a life. And i got a life i got to become my comic and she got to get away from me and raise her daughter the way she wants. it's just like man on fire a life for a life yeah that's it it's man on fire a life for a life there's times i sit here i go oh, jesus christ you know she was there the night i robbed those dudes with the nine millimeter you know she could she go on any talk show today mm-hmm. and tell three hours of stories but i got stories yeah you too, got bitch. stories too I got, I got and you for, got more places to tell them. So oh yeah, and I've told half of them, and I got a forgery story that 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 shit don't go away. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I got a forgery story that I could get fathers behind me, a support. You know what I'm saying? Like fathers groups. There's fathers groups that I just had too much pride to contact them at one point. That you contact them and their groups and they tell you These are all. I have a friend. uh I can't say I grew up with him. Another guy. I know him from the fifth grade he married a chick that her father had so much money they just yanked the kid like, the wife changed her name the yeah. kid changed her name he hasn't seen his kids since she was three just vanished vanished huh went to court beat him in court for sole custody he got visitation she turned it around she turned a rehab stint around for pain medication he had broken, uh, like, a leg and got hooked on pain medication, uh-huh. like, in 2001. And she turned it into this fucking... And I know this guy. This guy's had the same job all his life. He's one of those duddy dudes. I just grew up with him. He's never no contact, no nothing. Hmm.
1: Yeah, I'm, I. you know, I, I, I definitely, if I would have... Uh... If I would have married any number of girls that I dated uh, instead of my wife, I don't think, you know, it wouldn't have lasted. You know, there's luck there, too. You know, finding the right person. But, you know, growing up, there wasn't a lot of divorce growing up where I was. No, 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 no. And then I moved out here. I moved to my neighborhood probably 16 years ago. And I met about, say I met like 10 to 12 couples, 11 of them divorced at this point and it's crazy it's crazy to me and i said to my mother i was saying that to her and i was like yeah eleven she goes that's because that's because you uh that's because they have money and i said i don't know about that people you know get divorced she goes no it's because they can afford it. she goes you think i would have stayed with your father if we could have afforded two houses <laughs> she goes you think for a second if i thought i could get my own house i would have been and i thought yeah yeah I, all right i can see that i can see that but it also reminds me of something that somebody said once, they asked this old couple, they said, how did you stay married? What was your secret? How'd you stay married for 50 years? And he said, well, we didn't get divorced. <laughs> That's pretty much it. We kept fighting, but you know, we just stayed. I mean, I have good and bad
0: days with my wife. Yeah but I couldn't imagine a life without my wife at this point. Oh no, absolutely. Serious business. No, absolutely. Especially a guy like you that worked 14-hour days and she covered the spread. Oh, she, uh, most I, wives are like Oh, no, no, fuck no. You. I couldn't have
1: done any of that, you know. Fuck you. She ended up, you know, she's got to carry the load for all that stuff. And I think you're also in the thick of it with a with a with a, a, a kindergartner. I mean, we the most we ever fought was when the kids were little. When we're stressing about the kid and and we're arguing over what's the best way to deal with the kid and whatever and then i noticed as you know as the kids got older and we stayed married longer you kind of mellow you you mellow out with that stuff and and it gets to the point now where like if somebody raises their voice or starts to get mad it's almost like the other person's like oh shit this is that important to you no 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 that's good (laughs) you got it your way we don't need to fight
0: i grew up in a house bro where there was yelling and screaming and it drove me crazy i hate walking into a house with a screen. yeah it reminds me of my house growing up i hate that shit. so it's, i always swore you know thinking over the years that i don't like drama in my house like i don't even want to see a fucking beer bottle in my house like i like coasters and shit. i'm yeah. one of those fucking assholes uh-huh. i always think that your house should be your sanctuary you know like i go home for peace like when i was married the year before i got separated I would go home to hate myself. Like we didn't
1: really. It was a.
0: It was a. It was a home without a heart. Have you ever lived in a
1: home without a heart? I have been lucky not to, but I can imagine. It sucks. I
0: lived in two homes without hearts before my mother died. The home didn't have a heart. She. It was like two people who lived together, me and my mom. Yeah. We were, and then when I got sick, she became mom again. But it was too late. She died two months later. Uh huh. And then uh, when I got married, I lived in a home the last year was a fucking horror show. I basically went home at six, ate dinner, kissed a baby, and I was a doorman at a comedy club.
1: But it was like, I didn't want to be home. That's a horrible feeling. No, that's rough. When you have a child and you don't want to be home. And I've worked with guys that don't want to go home. And it's just like it kills me. Yeah, those, those guys, those type of people, fucking kill me. Yeah. Man. So they're either in charge and they're keeping everybody there because they want to don't want to go home, or you see them just staying after it's over and like they're just staying in their office. And I don't get that, man. That's 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 rough. That is rough. I can't imagine.
0: I've had fifty thousand arguments with agents over the years about this shit that we do, and how it works for me and what doesn't work for me. The every other week works for me. And time off, like in June and December, works for me. You know, uh, these guys that go out a lot with kids, I don't see it. Yeah. You you have to be home. Yeah. You have to be home. Uh, I love doing stand-up and making money. We all
1: do. Especially because they got to go on the weekends. Yeah. And that's when the kids are home. I mean, it's one thing if they can get out during the week or something because, you know, kids are busy a lot of the time. But, yeah, then those weekends are important. They got the games. They got whatever else. Other so, thing I do is I don't. I don't talk about. I never bring any work home with me either. I think that's that's uh, a key sometimes too. Do I don't, they ask
0: you like, Dad? How, was it cool working with this guy, Dad? How was it working with this chick? That's not what your house is about.
1: No, no. I mean, once in a blue moon. I mean, my oldest son, he he's interested in entertainment business, so he'll ask more questions. But like, I won't come home and talk about work at all. Like, we've just finished shooting that the season two of the Guest Book. My wife doesn't know what it's about nothing and she'll sit down and watch them all and that'll be great because i'll have a fresh audience but i don't i don't come home and talk about work at all there's too many other things going on. with three kids there's other stuff going on they don't need to hear about it nor do they they don't really care too much
0: now what's your typical year look like
1: now well now it's been pretty it's been pretty relaxed now because with this new show we do 10 episodes at a time i write all 10 of them myself so i just take my time to get those done and then we shoot them for ten weeks, and then we edit them for you know about two months. It takes. So, to how edit long does it take you to write the ten episodes? Usually, it depends on the episode, but usually, what I'll do is I'll have a pretty good idea. I'll let something something just like kind of marinate in my mind a little bit. I'll be thinking about it. I'm not even writing stuff down, but I'm just thinking about it for a while. Then I'll sit down. I can usually write a script in a day, but I sit down at six thirty in the morning and I don't get up out of that chair except to go grab something to eat. Sometimes my wife comes in back at the house and says walk around a little bit. I won't get out of that chair until four in the morning and just write and I'll just force myself to just keep going and going and going and going. And by the end of it, I got a first draft and then next couple of days I'll kind of mess with it a little bit and, uh, and play with it a little bit. But it's that one day when I decide I'm gonna write, I just write it on the calendar and that's it. I just sit there and I just refuse to get up until it's done.
0: I could do two two hours of the shot. <laughs> yeah. Cause of my back. I could do two hours then I force myself to get up and walk.
1: If not, I'll stay there all day. Yeah.
0: And that's not bueno either for me. Because I'll lose my fucking mind yeah. behind those four walls.
1: And you're not really on a but also you're not on a on a deadline necessarily, right? I mean, 'cause you're you're writing, you're collecting all your stuff, but is somebody saying to you, It's got we gotta get it by here, we gotta have it then? That would kill me.
0: Yeah. That would kill me because I'm not confident in my writing. So when I wake up the next day and I look at it, if I wrote two paragraphs, one paragraph always goes. Yeah. What the fuck is this shit? (laughs) Like, what the fuck is this shit? Yeah. You know, so one paragraph always goes. So I'm basically writing a little every day, but I'm also cleaning up yesterday's garbage.
1: Yeah. Well, you got to just write down whatever and don't worry about it and just get through it and then go back. So I write
0: four different things at once. When I wake up in the morning, I have a notebook and I put my feelings up. I feel like, shit, this is what's going on. I can't believe I did this. I'll never eat those edibles again. You know, know, just spill whatever's on my mind. Yeah. And then I have a notebook that I write to my daughter every couple days. So what's going on in my life? So if I die, I want her to know what the fuck I was thinking at that time period. That's very important for children so there's never any doubts. When my mother died, I left a lot of doubts in my life. I don't want my daughter to have doubts. This is what it is in the Bible. And I'll wrap them up in rubber bands and leave it in a fucking safety deposit box or something yeah. for mercy. And then on the iPad, I have jokes now. I really like the iPad that my wife got. I me. Mean, there's a writing app on there. And I have jokes in there. I have the book. Then I just have individual stories. Yeah. Like this one I'm writing is about martial arts in America today. When I joined martial arts, there was a black dude that walked around with a shinsu wooden sword. And if you giggled and shit, He'd hit you with the fucking sword, and you had to do push ups, and you had to bring your karate teacher your report card. And If you didn't get good grades, you you were allowed to go in and do jumping jacks and sit ups, but what you weren't allowed to learn, he would make you sit there and do fucking homework with your uniform on like a fucking dunce. <laughs> you know? You can't do that today. Yeah. I take my daughter to martial arts, and I had to tell the teacher a few times yo, tell her to fucking knock it off, mm-hmm. tell her to stop doing somersaults. Tell her to stand at attention. Don't be scared. Yell at my fucking kid. Yeah, that's why we're here. Yeah, that's why we're here, for discipline. Yell at them. I don't, they look at me. Don't look at me. Look at him. He's the fucking boss for the hour. Yeah. You know, uh, I got a little pissed last week. For the first time, I got to be honest with you guys, she came home with a medal. I go, what the fuck is the medal for? And she told me that there was a race, but she raced herself, so they gave her a fucking medal. So yesterday at karate, she couldn't do the punch combination she started crying whenever we get home she'd always get out of the car and she'd want to race and then she'd say I win I win I win You know, I wanted to teach how to fucking lose sometimes it's not all win I play a card game with her she's fucking good at it she beats me every time I gotta <laughs> cheat to beat her I actually have to yeah. cheat to beat her and she gets pissed when I beat her but I gotta show her you yeah, know, you have to show you. They got to lose to get that to, to yeah. get that
1: feeling in their stomach, so they want to win the next time.
0: You know. So I was taking it to jujitsu, but there was one guy, and there was no other kids. And she was learning great stuff, but I wanted to see what her reaction would be to kids her age. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If I hire you to come over and, and beat Leah, you're not going to beat Leah. You're going to let Lee If I give you two hundred a day to come over and train Lee, you don't let Lee choke you and shit, because the day you bitch slap Lee, he's going to come tell me you bitch slapped him, and that's the end of your two hundred a day. Yeah. No, I'll give you an extra yard for punching him in the fucking stomach. That's the school <laughs> I come from. I want to see him in his worst. So when life fucking really, you know, when I went to karate, one day they kicked me in the stomach so hard that they knocked the air out of me. When you're a kid and you get the air, oxygen knocked out of you, it's a script.
1: Oh, yeah. You and think I,
0: you're dying. And I remember telling my mom, I'm not going back, and my mom goes, listen. You either get back in there right now or I'll punch you in the stomach 50 fucking times. You won't even you won't get oxygen in that fucking stomach for 20 fucking years. You understand me? And she made me go back. In today's society, your parents aren't allowed to do that. Don't call the cops yeah. if a parent sees you do that. Yeah. Yesterday, yeah, my
1: buddy was telling me a story about he just put his hands on some kid's shoulders because the kid was acting crazy at the park. And he said, oh, oh come on, buddy. And just they went nuts on him. Don't you touch my kid, blah, 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 blah. My kid's fine, but, you know, don't. And just, you know, just just trying to move him, you know, out of the I way.
0: I tell my wife, because my wife is part of the white generation that she cares. And I tell my wife all the time, mind your fucking business. About three years ago, she went to a park in Thousand Oaks or something for mm-hmm. one of those fucking things, and there was almost a child abduction. Ever tell you about that? I told you. I told the story. All right. And how they do it is they cause a commotion. And then you go run right over with your kid, and they stay, steal your kid. And I told my wife, don't you ever run, turn your back on that. My wife knows the rule now. Yeah. Don't ever turn your back on Mercy I, I Listen, I don't give a fuck. I had to tell my wife about a month ago at a pool thing. <laughs> Do me a favor. I'm not here to insult you. You know I love you and respect you. I make the cash in this house. Put that fucking phone away. Watch your kid. Don't turn into the studio city of parents. I've seen shit in this vicinity here. Yeah that'll make you fucking curdle. I've seen people bring their kids to swim class that'll allow, you know, like mommy and me, and they put the nanny in the pool with their kid. Yeah, nanny. While they and me. sit there and fucking text and do whatever the fuck they do. Parents filled with tattoos and shit. <laughs> what do you think this kid's gonna grow up to be? What are his chances? Yeah. So with me, I'm old school. You know what, man? I, 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 t- I did some bad things growing up, and I had some bad breaks. But I got myself out of it because of what I learned as a young man, what was instilled in me by my mother, and 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 all those lessons I remember, dog. Oh sure. I remember my mother going, "If you don't get back in that karate school, it's not going to be good for you in the casa. Yeah, it's going to be a long night for you in the casa. I'm going to beat you to like fucking." And I was like,
1: "I used to get spanked all the time. I would get hit with this metal ruler, and there was no doubt." that i deserved every single one i got and it made me think twice about doing some other stupid shit it yeah. was it <laughs> it was
0: the way to really go really is fucking crazy it was what, the way how to much go time has changed but i kind of got pissed at that like this friday they're doing two buddies are getting married yeah at the camp i gotta go witness two bunnies getting married you know all that shit's cute and i like it
1: <laughs> but there's a lot
0: of shit that's going on today in the kid world that fucking doesn't doesn't cook for me, Greg Garcia. Yeah. Just, uh, you're not doing nothing good for this kid. You're not doing him any fucking favors. No.
1: I Trust me, especially with my younger one, I see these other little kids he runs around with and they run roughshod over their parents. And it's just like, what the fuck, man? How are you going to be talked to like
2: that? It's like, kids just say, no, uh uh-uh, ain't doing it, you know? And it's like, what? What?" That freaked me out as a kid. Because my parents weren't, I got spanked a few times, but that was the extent of it. But when I saw kids talk back to their parents and, like, yell at their parents. Oh, shit. I almost died. Yeah. First time, like, first time (laughs) I saw,
0: like, a white kid in my neighborhood. White kids were notorious for yelling at their parents. I'm not doing it. I saw that shit, and I was like, ooh. (laughs) That's fucking stitches in my house. That's automatic fucking stitches, that talking back. Yeah. My mom used to give me this backhand. Like It was called Tapa boca. Just a backhand. Like yeah. if I said something wrong from time to time, it was like effortless. You would just give me like a bam. <laughs> right. My lip would bleed and shit a little bit. Like I got a thousand of those. Yeah. I remember getting a beat once at a restaurant. And do you know my mom used to, the Cuban doctor we had, in the days the Cuban doctor would make a house call. But my mom was in with him so much, he'd go, listen, there's no reason for me to come back. Here's a syringe and here's some penicillin. If he gets sick, just give him a shot yourself. Yeah. Bro, my mom was shot happy with that fucking thing. Every time, because I was a sickly fucking kid.
1: Every time you sneezed. Oh, come
0: here. And she would get me in like an, what's that, when they
1: hold your head like a, a little guillotine? little headlock, yeah.
0: Because I would go, it's going to hurt, it's going to hurt. She would get me in a guillotine oh and fucking stab me with the needle. And I'd toughen up so I'd have a bruise halfway down. You know how many blood clots I had? All these people that die from blood clots. Go fuck yourself. I had so many blood clots. There was a time she gave me a needle. I couldn't walk for four fucking days because I would fight her. Oh. I would fight them. I had this doctor called Orlando Novalle. That was a Coke fiend. <laughs> so he would come over to the house, he'd take my temperature, and he go, Jose oh, Antonio, we're going to have to give you a shot. And I go, all right, let me think about it. And he loved it because he'd go out in the living room, have a couple drinks, yeah do a couple bumps of Coke and shit. And then he'd come back in and he'd give me a shot. I didn't know he was a Cokehead until I got older. Years later, he'd come and join. Don't move, I'm going to give you a shot. And then when I, after my mother died, he was my family doctor. I went to him for years, Orlando Valle. Yeah. So I cut a deal with him. I would give him an A-ball every week if he gave me prescriptions for steroids with my friends. <laughs> so he, all my friends had Anabar and Winstrow, and I would just bring him an A-ball. And the last time I saw him was at a discotheque in New York, and he came up to me. I'm like 19. He's like 50. He's like, Jose Antonio, ¿Qué tiene para la cabeza? That means, what do you got for your head? And I go, yeah. a Aspirin. He goes, ooh, many So he just walked away from me, and that's it. And about two years ago, I heard he's still alive in Miami. They stripped his license. Yeah,
2: oh, I wonder why. Because he had
0: two kids that were my age, and during the eighties, they stole all his prescription pads. Okay, and fucking were giving
1: out Valiums and fucking Xanaxes to the whole uh, town. He does all that shit, and the kids screw him over.
0: The kids screwed him over, dog. Mm-hmm. There was a time in this country that if you didn't go to school, you had to get a doctor's note. The doctor charged you twenty five for a note. Yeah. Did you know that? No. You would just go to you could you could you could stay out of school for a week, give them the wrong number, and then just go to a doctor say, Doc, listen, I need a doctor's note. Well, what's wrong with you? Doc, well with twenty five dollars? Yeah. And they give you the twenty, they give you a doctor's note, you go into school and give the doctor's note, it's over. You can't do that no more. Uh
1: uh-uh.
2: Where are you getting twenty five dollars? Don't worry about it. I don't know. You you sold drugs,
0: you steal it from your dad. Somebody's got some twenty five dollars.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Greg Garcia, what else has happened? Oh man! So what do you do now, to October? You are just editing? Just editing, and then this show should come on in October, and uh, I gotta figure out what's next. It actually, you know, just thinking about some ideas, and uh, you know, that's I'm gonna I'm chill out a little sorry. bit.
0: I did not know about the Jimmy Buffett thing.
1: Oh yeah, closed in about four months. It did not do as as uh, good as they expected. But it's going to go on a, a national tour in 2019, and they think that's where they're really going to get the audiences. The New York audiences, the theater critics, they were not ready for a Jimmy Buffett musical, you know, uh, and you really need those really good reviews to get people to now, come is in it Broadway.
0: Jimmy, did Jimmy Buffett ever show up? Was oh, he- yeah, yeah, yeah. He,
1: well, he would come he would come on special occasions and play at the end of the show and stuff, and he was great. He was, he, he was a cool guy. I loved working with him and everything. Ended up hanging out with him down in the Keys and – Flying in a plane with him, where he's flying the damn plane, and it, it was it was a lot of How fun. How old is he then? Seventy or seventy one, one of the two, and still plays shows. Goes out there with just shorts and a t shirt and no shoes, and, and tell me he still gets ten thousand people a show. Oh, he he sells. Oh yeah yeah yeah, he'll sell out major major stadiums. Yeah yeah, he'll yeah absolutely, and that's why they're going to strategically what they do is now that the it will the show will tour. And it'll go to all those cities where he sells out, you know. And so once we get out of New York, I think it's going to do pretty well because it did great in uh, La Jolla, in New Orleans, Houston, and Chicago. It went to all those places and sold out the whole time. Did great. Then went to Broadway. They booked a theater that I think was too big, seventeen seat, seventeen hundred seat theater, and. You know, you got to sell those seats to keep the lights on in those places. or they are going to put another show in? When did Margaritaville come out? I got to go take a quick leak.
2: Yeah. Find
0: that out. Keep them entertained
2: there. The so, did you, you. you write this this Broadway play? Yeah. So we wrote the uh, we wrote the story for it. So basically, you take
1: Jimmy. They they tell you, look, here's Jimmy Buffett's music. We want to, uh, we want to sing all these songs in the show. You guys got to come up with, I wrote it with this guy named Mike O'Malley. You guys have to come up with a story that it makes sense to, to, to hit these you know to hit these songs along the way. So you, you got to sit down and listen to the songs and be like, all right, well, what are we gonna do here? So you listen to a song and then maybe you think, all right, I'll create a character that's in that song, so it'll make sense when they're you know when they're singing that song. So you kind of create the characters, listen to the songs. Then you start to figure out a story
2: and 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 see how it would all weave together. So it was a big, a big math project, really. Because I I, went, I was lucky. I went to a lot of uh, theater as a kid. I got to go to Broadway, but it's very different. Like because you just said you wrote you write sitcom pilot s- sitcom scripts in a day, twenty four hours. How long does it take oh, you to write this, something like that? Well, this
1: was ridiculous because I mean I don't know how long it took from just like sitting down and writing, but the process would take f- it took four years. Wow, it took four years because. All, other people, like the producers and the director, they're working on other things. So, like, you'll turn in a script, you won't hear anything for six months, and then it just keeps changing and changing and changing. Like, you you know, you do you do so many performances of it and so many rehearsals that they just want to keep changing and changing and changing. So it takes forever.
2: Have you ever written a play, but like previously? No,
1: no, no. This is the first time. I I didn't even uh, I didn't go seek this out. I was sitting in my house one day and. Uh, actor writer michael malley called me up and said hey you want to write a musical and i was like what the fuck are you talking about a musical and he's like yeah man he goes we got uh, it's jimmy buffett's music and we got all the producers and the money and everything's there and all we have to do is come up with a story and knowing that my oldest son is uh wanting to be in theater and wanting to work with michael malley again i was like yeah let's just yeah why not and how and i thought at the time what's going to take a month two months we'll write this script we'll be done with it and then four years later that's how long it took because of all the stuff but and it turned out that Buffett was a fan of my name is Earl, and that's why when my name came up, he was like, Yeah, 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 get him, get him. And uh and so it was interesting. It's a different it's a different world because I'm used to being in charge, which is nice, you know, when you have a vision that you can just go do and make sure that you get it, you know, the way you want it and you can direct it yourself and whatever. But that wasn't the case with this, you know. I was like I was the I was the writer and the director was in charge. And so that was a rough transition for me to all of a sudden sit there and watch him give the notes to the actors and not necessarily, like I'd give him my notes, but I couldn't give my notes directly to the actors. So I'd have to give him my notes about like, hey, this would be funnier if this person said it like this. And he'd be like, oh, okay. And then he'd, I'd watch him go give the note, but he wouldn't give the note all the way right. So he do, wouldn't really give the note. So you're just sitting there going crazy, and then you got to give the note again and again, and it, it was a, it was a, it was an interesting uh, process, that's for sure. Was that
0: your first shot at theater?
1: Yeah, my first and last. I'll never do it again. It's so competitive in New York. I yeah, mean,
0: that's why people go to New York, bro.
1: Oh, absolutely. Just to go to
0: a fucking theater. Half of them get one ticket, which they fucking bang you out for. Oh. How much were the tickets for Buffett?
1: They were anywhere. I mean, I think they started to go lower and lower. But I think you could get in there for about 80 bucks. And then if you want to sit in like the best seats, it's like $250. Ooh. You know, and they're trying to sell 1,700 seats. How many shows a week? Eight. Wow. Eight shows a week. <sighs> so what was
0: happening That's with 13, that show? a 13,000 people you got to get in a <laughs> yeah, week. A week. 13, 14 Gs a week. You got to pull it. And
1: there. what was happening on the weekends, They they were they were doing really well. But then, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know, it wasn't it was you know, they weren't filling the place up and they had to they had to shut it down.
2: When did Margaritaville come out? Seventy seven.
1: You imagine that. So seventy seven,
0: I was about thirteen. Yeah. And I would smoke pot and I would go to the shitty fucking diner on Tumley Avenue. It was horrible. Horrible. It's not there and nobody remembers. It's like a ghost, like nobody it was even on wheels this diner and they used to have those jukeboxes you know that they play c10 yeah and we would listen to margaritaville and we would smoke pot and go in there when the waitress would come we would laugh in the face and then she would say i'll come back when you grow up
1: you know (laughs) that that type of shit yeah we'd we'd all drive to the beach and listen to jimmy buffett that was the craziest part because um, you know my friends back in virginia they're all big jimmy buffett fans and my wife is a big jimmy buffett fan And so they came to the shows. I flew everybody down to New Orleans and they met, you know, Buffett and everything. That was the best part of the whole thing. Like, I don't, it it works, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter to me. I just, you know, it was, it was a whole experience. And to be able to live that with the people that you would listen to that music with. And all of a sudden they're just like, this is crazy. I'd be in my office writing, working on stuff. And I changed some of the lyrics to, to make sense for the story. I had to change some of the lyrics. My wife would come in. She'd be like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm changing the lyrics to Changes in Latitude. And she's like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is insane. So it was a trip. It was definitely, I'm glad I did it. Not going to do it again, but I'm glad I did it. You know what's so funny when you came in?
0: Let me give a sh- shout-out to him, we'll Yeah, go. Uh, Cassius Morris, congratulations on your 100th episode. One by one podcast, always there. Brandy Lynn, I love you. Dakota UTEP, Vinnie Tokes, Tom Betts. Sin Quirin killing him over there in Europe, man. Do you see his pictures? Oh, my God. Jesus Christ. And my man, Wayne Woods. Don't forget, next Thursday, KC Improv, bitches. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I'm going up against Rogan on Friday, so I won't see nobody there. But I'll see you motherfuckers Thursday and Saturday. And then then at the end of the month, I'm in Huntsville, Alabama
1: for one show.
0: And then I go to fucking Nashville for four shows. So if you're in the area, stop in and say hello. You know, it's funny. I was at a pitch meeting, and and people always, you know, well, this is a cross between Masters of the Universe and The Sopranos, and people. And I was sitting there going, nobody ever says this is a show about this and fucking raising hope, <laughs> or this is a show of this and my name is Earl, because nobody does what you do, bro.
1: Yeah, those shows both had they both had pretty specific uh, uh you know, one guy, you know, what was one? One uh, guy got a serial pre- uh serial killer pregnant and took her and uh took the baby and then yeah, the other guy had the list and everything. Those were pretty specific uh pretty specific uh, stories. So I, I guess think be tough. My, my
0: name is Earl caught me when you had the episode with Leguizamo on. That's when oh, I became a he was fan. Good. That was a then you had Josh Wolf was hilarious running a yep. shirt
1: on and shit running around in that
0: field I'm like this motherfucker is crazy, <laughs> but just I re, I was telling Lee I go Lee I can't find my name is Earl Hulu That's Hulu because it was on, on Netflix. Netflix and I used to watch I used to download them Not, they won't let you download them because they're NBC yeah so I would have to fucking uh, watch them in hotel rooms and after you came on last time I go let me watch this in the beginning first of all the people you got
1: on that show we got some good we got some good guest stars oh my god number two just he was great he's great oh yeah he's great he's great
0: and I you know I always had a crush on Jamie Presley if you don't have a giant Jam- crush on <laughs> Jamie Presley <laughs> yeah what's real. wrong with you exactly and I haven't seen her. I used to see at UFC fights she oh, be, that's right she would, she go, would go to, to the fights with joe and fucking yell yeah, and scream yeah, yeah, yeah. And i'd be sitting like 10 feet from her and i go look at her she's a bucket she I loved know, those things yeah would, and i'd seen her one night I'm, I'm thinking this chick might take her shoes off and go in that octagon like she
1: was into it yeah she was
0: that And then she got hmm. pregnant
1: and then yeah i didn't see her anymore she got pregnant and then she just had twins she had more kids she's on that show mom uh, on cbs yeah she's on there i know we talked about it last time but we had burt reynolds on my name is earl and when he was there he signed i have a smoky in the bandit trans am you know black with the gold eagle you have the car uh, not, no 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 i have one of them i have a car like that okay by, you know when i was eight years old i saw that car and i said i'm getting that car one day so i have one like that not one that was in the movie but one exactly like it and so he he i drove it to set and he signed it by the uh, stick shift and he signs, to Greg, you're the real bandit, Burt Reynolds, right? So I've had that for (laughs) 15 years, sitting in my garage, it's all careful. Took it to work about a month ago. Guy said, hey man, I'm gonna get this detail for you, I'm gonna take care of the whole thing. I said, look, 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 look. That's a signature from Burt Reynolds. Tell the guy, don't touch that. He goes, no, I got it, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it back at the end of the day. It's barely there. The guy just scrubbed and looked like he scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed and tried to get it off. And so I'm, I'm pissed, right? And I, I never get mad. And I'm just like pissed because I've taken care of this thing for 15 years. I go to the guy. I go, man, what the hell? What the, what's going on? He goes, I, I, I talked to the guy. He said he just put a towel over it. And he never touched it. And now I'm even more mad because I'm like, all right, look, look, come on. I, I can't. So I said, that guy has to show up tomorrow morning. I got to talk to him. So he comes in. And i said hey man come on what's what's the deal you put a towel on it and he goes he hung his head and he goes look man uh, i messed up i was on the outside i had another guy on the inside i looked in he was doing it i forgot to tell him i screwed up and then i was like all right then i was like fine like i wasn't mad anymore because i was like all right that's all I, that's fine people i fucked up people oh. fuck up what are you gonna do i mean there's nothing i can do about it i'm not gonna you know but now at least i can sleep because that night I, w- I couldn't sleep the towel Someone put a towel on it. I was going to say to him, hey, look, I got some molds on my back. Can I, can I, can I borrow your magic I'm towel? I'm going to give you
0: a present that's going to make that all go away yeah?
1: next time I see it. All right. Well, next I found I out see. he's going to be. I'm going I'm to track him down because he's going to be in town doing a Tarantino movie. The Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio and stuff. Bert's going to be in that, so I might have to track him down, get him to sign it again. I He was one guy that I expected something completely different. And I got something
0: completely different. Yeah. Like he was dynamite. Yeah. I expected just to not talk to him or whatever. And at the table read, he came right over and started talking. And I was like, Okay. And then in the mornings I you know, I'm an old I'm a old I like to get up early. He's an old man. Yeah. So he'd see me and walk over to me and we'd talk and from time to time I'd be smoking a joint. He goes, What are you doing? Nothing. And he would smell it. And he goes, I haven't smoked that shit in years. And I would just put it up, and he would hit it a little bit, and then he would walk away. Yeah.
1: But <laughs> like he was just. Yeah, uh, he was great on set. He'd just sit there and tell story after story dog, after story. Dog.
0: Yeah. That's that's the one-man show.
1: Yeah. I, I have his
0: one-man show, by the way. That's yeah. what I'm going to give you. Okay. I have his one-man show. I've never given it or shown it to anybody. He gave it to me as a present. All right.
1: And it's Did him. he do it down in Florida? He did it in Vegas. Okay
0: fucking climate about him and meeting jack dempsey and i'm um, just hours but him going to an audition what's the guy that he went to an audition we were trying to figure it out when uh what's his name ed quinn was on here an actor okay I told him that he went to an audition for Kyle, kazan all right and, and the guy that was in the hook in that movie showed up with a gun and pulled the gun on kazan like he just has hours of those yeah That when he got a a call from Clint Eastwood one day, or Steve McQueen, and said, I'm picking you up. We're going out to Vegas. And he goes, what are we going to Vegas for? He goes, remember when we started, the director that fired us? He died. And I always told him I was going to go piss on his fucking grave. (laughs) Let's go piss on his fucking grave. (laughs) Then he did the thing that nobody ever did. He brought Don DeLuise in. Yeah. To the longest shot. And that was, like, for a guy like me, bro, that's like watching... Lucy and Desi. Oh yeah, you know they were old, and they started telling stories. Oh, I bet. And, and it's uh, if you like
1: all that shit, you know. Yeah, if you like all that shit. Yeah, I couldn't stop asking them questions.
2: Well, us I was. I was uh, speaking about people bringing up your shows. I was just listening to Bert Kreischer's podcast, and he brought up the uh, pilot to Yesteryear. Oh, the, really? Because I didn't. I didn't. I never watched the pilot, but it was. I was thinking today, like he was the pilot. No, He no. Was, he, he said he auditioned for, but he said it was the best pilot he's seen for a sitcom, and I. I because there's a lot of people like Seth MacFarlane has Fox, Lauren has NBC, uh, Chuck Lorre has CBS. You kind of have TBS. Like I remember going home in high school and it would be the King of Queens, which isn't you, but then Yestir every like five days a week, and I, yeah. I loved Yestir. And then they put <laughs> Earl, they put
1: Earl on TBS. Yeah, TBS bought a lot of my shows after 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 the fact. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool that Burt Kreischer said that. I'm a big fan of Burt Kreischer. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, you have some great shit, man. I mean, it's. Uh...
0: Like i don't i didn't like breaking bad yeah didn't, I, the characters didn't sell me sorry he didn't sell me yeah i've done met that guy don't look like he does met <laughs> <laughs> you know what i'm saying i've done coke it was wasn't too, real enough it was it, it, it felt like something it, it, it was bought by people seriously and I i'm normally get a lot of backlash for this i didn't enjoy it i you know i i didn't understand the hoopla sons of anarchy I am not a big Kurt Sutter guy, yeah. but he did a great job with Sons of Anarchy. What he had, yeah, it's a it's a Miami Vice music type shit, but yeah, a little soap opery. But his his arc and everything was beautiful. If you watch that's why I watched My Name Is Earl. Yeah, I wanted to see what you had done just to watch, just to learn. Yeah, you know, you don't want to watch a shit show. You want to watch the show. Yeah, you're the, you're the man, and just the arc, just what because I have that. That that redeeming like I'm trying to get redemption. I sure. wrote a letter to my ex wife. Yeah. I apologized to the guy I kidnapped, and then he didn't show up to my shows. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as that guy. In, you
1: could do the life. you could do the reality version. My name is Joey D. My name is Joey D. <laughs> you know, <laughs> where is he? Jason? Yeah, he's in Texas. Retired. He's, I think he's, he's semi-retired. He, he told the Scientologists to take a hike. Yeah, yeah, he's not he's not part of that anymore. He I think he's semi-retired. I was trying to get him to come out and do a um episode of the guest book and he couldn't make it work with his schedule because he had just done this photography book and he was uh he was doing a lot of book signings for that um but i hope to work with him again soon you know i i, I got to get in touch with him because um we had this uh remember that show orange county choppers yeah all right so at the time I was, the mustache yeah with the mustache yeah, yeah. yelling ooh, at his kids ooh, and yeah, stuff yeah. yeah and i i just had a kid and i was always up late at night with my kid and i'd watch that and that show deadliest catch And I got into Orange County Choppers, and I thought, at one point, I go, I want these guys to make a My Name is Earl motorcycle, you know? And so I looked into it. We talked to them, and we all decided, all right, we're going to make this motorcycle, and we're going to then auction it off for charity. So we went out, we went to their, to their place and hung out and was in an episode of their show. And then they were an episode of our show and they built this big chopper, this thing. I can't even reach the handlebars on it. It's this big, giant chopper. So we auctioned off from Make-A-Wish Foundation. Well, I bought it because I knew I was always going to buy the thing. So I bought it and I gave it to my uncle who lives in Virginia. So he's had it for about seven, eight years or something. And it's, uh, it's a cool looking bike. But he was riding it the other day and a bolt flew out the front tire and he almost crashed. And he called me. Goes, you got to take this thing. You got to get. You got to take this thing back. I don't. I don't want it around here. I'll ride it. I don't want to ride it. And I said, all right, all right, all right. So I actually got to get in touch with Jason because I'm just going to see if Jason wants that thing because he likes motorcycles. I don't know what the hell I'd do with it. <laughs> It'd have to be a piece of art just sitting in a, in a room somewhere. So I'm going to hopefully get in touch with him soon and hopefully he takes this thing off my hands. You know, Greg, you're a breath of fresh, fresh air.
0: It really is an honor always to work for you and just to be around you. Because Hollywood's such a sack of shit. It's rough, man, isn't it? And you're one of the only guys that's like the anti-Hollywood and you're
1: really good at what you do. Oh, thanks. We had fun. We had fun on those episodes. Let me tell you something, bro. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. <laughs> All right. I don't even want to talk about we it. We won't even to talk pro- about it yet. Yeah. Su- yeah. No. Oh, no. my God. I haven't fun, told no. anybody. Yeah. You it know? was fun.
0: You know, I signed like a confidential highly agreement oh with my myself. God. I love it. Because I can't wait for people to tune in. Yeah. <laughs> We'll bring you back before the Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about it. yeah. We'll it's talk so about it. It's so weird how you're the anti. I went to, you know, I did a couple of episodes of I'm Dying Up Here. Yeah, Great okay. people, nice people. Yeah. I had a great time. But I went to the party, and it was a mistake, Greg. Like, I
1: don't do good at those things. I hate those things.
0: And the other day, like, I hate those things. Like, I, 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 have, I have a lot of problems. I can't sit in a room with no windows. That's what happened to me on your set. Yeah, yeah, day. yeah. Yeah. That's what happened. I wanted to apologize to you for my behavior. You don't have to worry when about it. When I anything. go give blood, if I give blood in a room with no windows, I pass out. Yeah. If I could if there's a window, I could I don't get anxiety. At the comedy store with my anxiety, when I walk up those stairs to the original room, it's definitely fine. It's like I'm gonna go get hung. Yeah. But as long as I know that there's a path outside i'm okay like i could never be one of those kids in that thai cave that little yeah dirty soccer coach and try to take him down and fuck him in the ass because that's what he did <laughs> let's face it why take a bunch of little chinese kids deep 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 into a cave he was gonna fuck him and kill him don't tell me i know a criminal when i see one that guy's they got a lot of explaining to do that little dirty filipino <laughs> whatever the fuck he was thai whatever he was those people are filthy fucking animals. Don't you go to Thailand to fuck little boys and shit? I think that's the, I that's, think that's where they go.
1: They do have a reputation for <laughs> yeah, that, yeah.
0: That's what they, and he was like the leader. He was like the fucking Sandusky oh my God. of the Philippines, or Thai. I'm sorry, Filipino people. You know I love you, You're Catholics. I don't think everyone goes to
2: Thailand for that. There's What's other that? things
0: to do in there. What do you do in a fucking cave? Besides like fuck people in the ass and <laughs> leave them for dead. I think
1: that's it.
2: That's I it.
0: Think,
1: I don't think he'd go into a cave They couldn't even fucking see
0: it. He was planning on fucking them in the ass and yeah. then leaving them. <laughs> i know those Thai people <laughs> you think i'm kidding you case closed i ain't no fucking swami but i ain't no fucking uh, half a fag either i know exactly how the fucking business works.
1: i love you great oh, thank,
0: thank you for all the shows and thank you for everything
1: thank You're, you man you always the, a blast to talk to
0: you the anti-hollywood but i want you to think about that today on the drive home why else would that coach Take those kids <laughs> into that fucking cave. If he wasn't planning them, fucking them and killing them. All right. The last guy that <laughs> took people in a cave was fucking the Iceman. Remember the Iceman that killed a bunch of people for the mafia?
1: No. He took them in a cave?
0: He had a cave in Pennsylvania. And he would take you in the cave, film it, and uh, let the rats get to you. Cut you and let the rats eat at you. And then film it. And then when you... Like, let's say he tells a particular story about a guy that his daughter got raped by some... Uh, he told two stories where... Somebody's daughter got raped, and he went and took the one guy and fed him to rats. The other guy, he posted to a tree in Florida and sliced his skin off with a razor blade, threw it into the water, rubbed him down with kosher salt, nice and dewy, and then <laughs> threw him into the ocean when he saw the sharks. He took the guy's own skin to lure the sharks. You got to read the book. Good Lord. So he would slice inches off his belly and throw it into the water to, to feed the to, So the sharks came. And then once the guy was nice and cut up, he just untied him, threw him in, oh and God. he put it all on tape. And then he get, Greg, what'd you give me? 75,000, there's your proof. And he'd give the guy the tape at the rats, eating the fucking guy who raped the daughter.
1: Nothing good happens in a cave. Nothing, I'm telling uh-huh. you, nothing. nothing.
0: What are you gonna good. show me in a cave? Mm-mm. And then they had to go on the water and canals. Oh, he was gonna fuck those kids good. <laughs> <laughs> he was gonna shish kebab those motherfuckers. <laughs> I love you, motherfuckers. Have a great weekend. Greg Garcia, thank you. Don't forget, anything by Greg Garcia is fucking gold. Yes, dear, raising fucking My Name is Earl, and now the guest book. Have a great weekend. Stay black. We'll be back Monday the 6th, ready to rock. Kick this fucking mule, Lee.
1: I can't lie, no more of your darkness. All my pictures seem to fade to black and white. chance and changed your way your life But you misread my meaning when I met you Close the door